0: Hi everyone and welcome to Storybook the Podcast. I am so excited to have with me today Dr. Elizabeth Boham. She is a registered dietitian and she has so many amazing degrees and so much interest in health from a functional medicine perspective and her own wonderful stories about how she got into functional medicine. So I can't wait for us to hear stories from her and to talk with her today. So welcome Elizabeth and is there more you want to tell us about your degrees and about your past and your path toward functional medicine.
1: Oh, Heidi, it's so good to be with you and all your listeners. I love hanging out with you. One of the best things that Heidi and I did—well, we've done so many fun things together—but um, is we created this DVD, Breast Wellness Tools, to prevent and heal from breast cancer. And um, it's—it was such a great journey that we went on together and created this uh, product to help people with looking at a functional medicine approach to. Breast health and and wellness. So we've we've done a lot of great things together. So it's it's really good to be with you again today.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really I love our collaborations.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. So um, you know, another thing that we've done together a lot is teach at Kripalu, and we've done these courses, um, Journey to Wholeness, which have just been so wonderful. So if anybody. Is um, listening, who's been a part of one of our courses? You know, we're just sending you a shout out because they've been so much fun. Um, really, a great time to get to know people and really help people along the journey to wellness and wholeness. And um, we discuss different everything from nutrition to uh, movement and exercise and yoga and meditation. And it's just really a nourishing, nourishing weekend. So I look forward to us being able to do that again soon together.
0: And I during
1: Yeah, during that, um, during that weekend, you know, we've spoken a lot about sort of that my journey into functional medicine. And so, you know, my, my undergraduate and graduate degree was in nutrition and exercise physiology. So I'm really interested in nutrition, you know, I love talking about food, and food is medicine. And, uh, but then I, um, went decided, I'm like, I want to learn more about the human body and how it works and what we can do to stay well. And so I decided to go back to medical school, but I really didn't have a good understanding of what that meant. Uh, I have a bunch of doctors in my family, but they're all PhD doctors, um, no MD doctors. So I had no idea what it meant to be a, a, physician and to practice medicine and so as I got into the whole education, I was sort of um, um, thrown off, I guess I would say. There was, you know, I was exhausted. It wasn't really what I was looking for. I was looking more about, I wanted to learn more about wellness and how the body worked. And and we ended up spending so much time, I can see now why appropriately, but so much time on acute care medicine. And you know, training in the ICU and stuff that I really had no idea I was getting into, honestly, which just seems kind of silly at this point. But at this, at that time, I didn't. And it was, it was overwhelming and sometimes exhausting. And it was during that training, um, when I was in my residency in family medicine, where I found, I was 30 at the time, and I found a mass in my breast and I didn't have any family history of breast cancer. And um, and you know, I said to my husband, what do you think this is? And he's like, Oh, you gotta get that checked out. I'm like, Really? You think so? He's like, Yep, go tomorrow. I'm like, and he has no medical background. So, um, so I went and got it checked out and I went through the quickly through the process. Thank goodness I had a lot of connections being a resident, but it ended up that I had um 21 years ago, had surgery to remove this triple negative breast cancer, and um, so it it kind of brought me down this pathway of the, those five stages of grief, right? The the denial where you're like, oh my goodness, this is this has got to be not a real diagnosis. Where I ended up sending the pathology to many many different. Um, or a couple different uh, hospitals to get re-analyzed re- an- an- a- because I really didn't believe that this was breast cancer because I didn't have any family history and I was healthy, right? I was taking care of myself. I was young at the time. I was 30. And back then there was even less young women getting breast cancer. It's still not that common, but it's unfortunately more common now than it even was back then. And um, so, well, you know, it was it was actually breast cancer. So... <laughs> Um, so then I became angry, you know, I was pissed off. I was like, I was exercising. I was taking care of myself. So why would this happen to me? Um, and then, uh, I ended up having surgery and started down that pathway of chemotherapy and then, um, needing radiation. And it was during that time that I started in that bargaining stage where I said to go, Oh, please God, I just want to have kids. I want to be able to have children. And, um, you know, I'll, you know, no matter what, that's what I wanted. And, and so um, I was, I was lucky when I finished treatment, my periods came back, I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter, who is now 19, and um, was able to breastfeed on one breast. And then a few years later, got pregnant with my son and, um, and was able to breastfeed again. And then after he was born, that fourth stage, that depression, you know, really set in, you know, where I was just like, Oh my goodness! What did I just go through? And um, did this really happen to me? And I was exhausted and and sad and um, you know, of course there was a lot of hormones fluctuating, but it was really it was a really challenging time, um, which did pass. You know, it did pass. My mom said to me, "It'll pass," and it did. And um, and then that fifth stage, at some point, the acceptance came. Um, okay, this happened to me. You know, I was like, I started to be okay with walking around without my hat on and my growing in bald hair. And I was like, okay, I did actually have this breast cancer. But it was when that acceptance sort of hit that I was I started to, and I was in the middle of my residency. I'm like, I've really got to figure out why this happened and I wanna really learn more. And uh during, during the uh, process of treatment, my mom had brought me to a wonderful mother-daughter weekend at uh, Canyon Ranch in Lenox, kind of to celebrate my last round of chemotherapy. And it was there that I met, um, where, I, where, I, where my mom met actually, one of the physicians at Canyon Ranch, Cindy Geyer. And so I, I had a wonderful experience that weekend. But then I, my mom made this connection for me. And so soon after I finished my residency, I ended up getting a job there. And that's actually
0: where I learned about functional medicine. And Can I, I pause bookmark- you for just one second? Yes. Yeah, we'll, just re- we'll just bookmark that we're going to start with this meeting with Cindy Guy in functional medicine. So I just want to take a moment here to say this thing that is coming up for me right now when I hear the story. And what I think is so interesting, we talk about following our life path step by step by step you had already done all the nutritional, you were so into nutrition and food already. Like you said, when you went through that stage of anger, you were so healthy, you were into, who, I don't, I have to be honest with you, I don't really know many people who are into nutrition and exercise physiology and all of this stuff before they go to med school or that they're interested. I, I just know some people in med school who were interested in med school for med school, whatever it was, maybe they knew they want to be a doctor, but you were interested in wellness and then you went into the medical field and you got a proper MD degree. <laughs> And so what I guess I wanted to say here is that what's so interesting is then you went to Canyon Ranch and your mother made this connection. What's so fascinating though, and this is what I want people to really think about when we think about step-by-step in our life path. One of the reasons, and I'm not gonna give away the ending yet, but we all know you're a functional medicine doctor. But one of the reasons that that might've worked is that you had followed your heart through that. Like you already had the nutrition degree. You would have been a great candidate for functional medicine, because you were already interested in wellness even before you got the medical degree. So, what I'm trying to say here, what I'm trying to distinguish is that it's not that you were a doctor first, like a regular MD who did all that training in acute care and all this other stuff, and then you were trying to think about getting a degree in functional medicine, I mean, getting a, a position at Canyon Ranch that has this wellness perspective. I'm just bringing this up to say not that someone can't go that path, I don't know about regular MD paths, but the point is you followed your calling, your heart step-by-step, nutrition, nutrition. So then when something comes up, like a functional medicine situation, because you followed your heart, it starts to make sense and you're already like a prime candidate for a place like that. So that's kind of a pause I just wanted to make because I teach a lot about you know, following our heart, following the path, and that things eventually kind of click and come together at, at times. So I just want to make that pause right there and, you know, ask your opinion about that, but then also go ahead and continue with, you know, the rest of the story, of course.
1: Yeah, I think that's so true. I mean, when I was younger, it, I would stress out so much about figuring out what I was going to be when I grew up, right, or how I was going to do it. But, um, but it is interesting when you sort of sit back and, and just be with the moment and the situation uh, it, it, you do, you get to where you need to be, which is, is fascinating. The other thing I thought of when you were saying that is, you know, um, one of the wonderful things about breast cancer, which, you know, it's kind of, it's an interesting way to put it at this point in my life. Cause I'm not, you know, I'm a 21 year survivor, so I can say it was wonderful, but one of the wonderful things it gave me, one of the wonderful gifts it gave me was this appreciation for conventional medicine, because I ended up needing, um, and I went through surgery, chemo, radiation, and of course used a lot of alternative and complementary practices with it. And then really, as we'll talk more about, learned how functional medicine could better support my body and where I needed to really focus. But it, it also really allowed me to say, okay, I can see how we can bring all of this together. And I think that was really wonderful for my brain because I was fighting, I was fighting, I was fighting this this degree that I had. And it really helped me say, okay, we can bring both worlds together and we should. And that's how we what we should be doing.
0: And I'm glad you said that. You know, that gives me the chills. I often get like chills when I'm talking to a friend of mine and somebody who says something that resonates so deeply with me. And why that gives me the chills is that, that's really the primary reason from a perspective of working with you as a doctor that I absolutely love what you do because you don't have, at least the way it comes across, you don't have any fear or resistance toward talking to people about the real important medical interventions that can help a person. And you know, to, to just be honest about a personal story of mine, there was a medication that would have been really beneficial for me to go on. And you and other people were really encouraging me to take this medication. And well, just to be clear, so it's not really a mystery, but I am um, for uh, Hashimoto's, which I think, you know, there are a lot of people who have it, but also hypothyroidism, like just a bunch of uh, thyroid things. And I kept resisting taking it because I wanted to get better without taking the medicine. And I'm grateful for you and other doctors who just allowed me to do what I do, but like people were gently encouraging, like, really like this is this is something you know so my point is you're not afraid to to jump in and say there are these medical interventions or there are these things that are really going to help while you also talk about the complementary things so that i think is key and my respect for medication and like emergency services and the amazing innovations that western medicine has is through the roof i i would never ever want someone to get the impression that i wouldn't follow them or that they shouldn't so i love that about you liz is that you do that that you really have that that bridge.
1: Yeah, you know and it, it and it also helped helped in my mind calm down about that struggle I was having inside and 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 that really helped me on a personal level too, you know, not just as a physician but just really personally to say okay, you know, let's just let's let's pull the best from both worlds and um and and that and that really functional medicine when I learned about it at Canyon Ranch was just like this big eye-opening experience. It was just like Wow, this makes so much sense. Where we just change the way we think about a situation, where we really um, personalize uh, each—you know—we look at each person as an individual. We look for their underlying root causes for whatever is not working the best in their body, and and work to rebalance the body so it works better. And and we're all different, you know. So for a lot of for, for some women who get breast cancer, you know, it's really important that we have to clean up their diet and lower their sugar intake and cut back on carbs and get them exercising and help them with weight loss. For for me, you know, an area I had to focus on was detoxifying my body, you know, and because I'm not that best of a detoxifier and managing my stress, you know, and really managing the, um, you know, the way that I interacted with the world and how I managed the stress that was coming at me because that wasn't I was in doing that in a healthy way. And that was really wearing down my body and how well my body could handle, you know, everything that was coming at it and my system. Yeah.
0: Right. So as a doctor, then just for me to circle back to as a doctor, you talk with patients about both, right? Like you talk with them about all those lifestyle skills, all of it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we look at, we look at their, you know, we, we always focus on those personalized lifestyle factors. So for somebody, you know, we, we may have to pay more attention to their diet and making it cleaner or somebody else, maybe it's, it's exercise or maybe both. And then somebody else, maybe they're not sleeping enough or, or managing stress or having good relationships and networks. But we also really look at how all the different systems in the body are inter. inter- re- uh, relating to each other and impacting each other. And so when you think about cancer, a lot of times we're paying attention to toxin exposures and how the body detoxifies and how you handle certain hormones in the body and detoxify from them. We also pay attention a lot to the microbiome because the, we know that that impacts inflammation in the body and how we detoxify and how our digestive system works is impacting everything. And we pay t- a lot of attention to the immune system, but we recognize that you know toxins can impact how the immune system works, but also our lifestyle can too. And so we really um, we we look at we look at all aspects of, of a human and a person and try to determine where they really need to focus to reach their optimal health.
0: Yeah, and I think for me that combination of western kinds of medicine or whatever that's called that's more you know acute or medical and pharmacological all those things that doctors are trained in plus the wellness plus like you said social networks you like you really look at everything and then like you said the individualization I think is really one of the many things that also drew me to functional medicine because I could just tell that run of the mill things or things I could try to learn just that were generic, they were not working for me. I mean, definitely changing my diet helped. I, I started doing lots of yoga, lots of meditation. Like I I found huge benefits in my life. There were still those some things that were not shaking out the way that I was wanting them to. And so to have that individualized approach and to know that someone such as you can do different tests or and also ask different questions and also give different options, it's a really It really is a pretty miraculous way for an individual to figure out how to get better because without that individual care, it's really, really challenging to figure it out on your own or with doctors who don't. So I have um, a medical doctor who I really like, meaning I have you to work with, but I also have a primary care and she's fantastic. So that's great. But I think for a lot of us, not everyone's getting that individual attention in their appointments.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: a big difference so I interrupted the story so we could go down this little rabbit hole but so do you want to go back to where we were um, you were at Canyon Ranch, your mom made that introduction and functional medicine was really appealing to you
1: well yeah you know so so I ended up getting a job there and that's where I met Mark Hyman and Todd Lapine and Kathy Swift and just started to I started to go to conferences in functional medicine and it was it just opened up a whole world for me it was really a great path where I could integrate my medical school training and my nutrition training, and it gave me the tools to be able to work with patients in this new and really exciting way. Where you're looking at each person has an individual and their underlying risk factors, and what you can do to help rebalance their body and help them get to to optimal health and, and well being. So it's it's really a fun way to practice medicine. It, it really is.
0: And I was talking to a couple of friends of mine. This is really interesting. I'm in my mid 40s. And I was talking to a couple of friends of mine recently, who have been having some different things going on. One of them is saying that she's in perimenopause. Another one is having some other things. So I'm really glad that I'm really able to start talking with my friends who are women now about our health. I think it's so important for women to really start talking about it, because I think a lot of times people don't talk about it. And this way we can Just hear what's going on. It's really helpful. And the reason I'm bringing that up is to say I'm also really impressed because, at least for the friends that I've been talking with, they're trying to be more proactive in their care with their doctors now. I'm just really proud of them. You know, I talk, like they'll say, I went to my doctor and I said, you know, but what about this or what about that? Or I saw this online. I know online isn't so reliable, but what about this or what about that? And they're really partnering with their doctors. Or, you know, I told a friend of mine, you know, if your doctor, Really, just makes you do a certain thing, and you know you're not really sure about it. You know, maybe you want a different doctor who will maybe listen with you a little more, work with you, and so I'm really excited about this like collaboration. My friends are starting to try to have with their doctors. What do you think about that? Like a patient with is that annoying? Is that a positive thing? Can you oh, tell me about the patient involvement? Thing.
1: It's a wonderful thing, and I think that the the um, the internet and 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 in, you know social media and stuff can have a lot of challenges and there's some negatives to the whole thing when it comes to medical medical stuff but from a positive perspective you know when we learn more about how our body works and um, spend the time to understand more like if you like you say take perimenopause and understand what's happening in the body there's I've spent, I've done a lot of podcasts on perimenopause, which have been fun to do and important to do. Um, And there's a lot of articles out there and, you know, blogs and information. And, and like, you know, like you said, you have, we have to take it all with a grain of salt, but gathering that knowledge I think is really helpful because then you can, you can then sit with your own physician and figure out where is it that you need to focus really get to better health and well-being and you know you can say to them well what do you think about this and i was curious about this and and get some feedback um, from your personal physician so i i think it's i think there's a lot of benefit to it it's a great way to educate people on their own health and i've been working hard to try to do that to put out good solid information that people can learn from and then take you know bits and pieces to to learn more about what might be going on in their health and with their body.
0: And are there specific podcasts that they can look forward to listen to you on? I know the Doctor's Pharmacy is one of them, which is pharmacy yeah. with an F, as Dr. Hyman says F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. So Doctor's Pharmacy podcast. And then um I guess you're on broken brain as well. And then are there others that you'd want people to know about? Or I'm sure you're just with a lot of different people.
1: Yeah. You know, so um, the other area where there's a lot of information is on the Ultra Wellness Center website in our blog page. There's a lot of blogs as well as some um, videos with content as as well. So that's a great, great area.
0: That's a nice, easy way to get to it then. So that's just ultrawellnesscenter.com.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah. Really easy. To and, get then, to that. and then all of myself and uh, our other physicians and nutritionists have done a lot of podcasts uh, with Mark on the doctor's pharmacy. There's a lot of great information there too. And a lot of different
0: topics. I really appreciate hearing that because one of the biggest struggles for me when I was not feeling well. So before I got way into yoga, I was already doing some yoga and some meditation, but before I moved into Kropalo in 2008, that's when my big healing and shifting started to happen. Before that, my one of my biggest concerns, Liz, was how do I find real information? I think that was my biggest concern. Like I was willing to do the work. I was willing to eat the things that might help me. I was willing to do it, but I, I just wanted to know where do I go? So I want to sit here and just vouch for the fact that getting this information from you, being told where can people go to listen, where can they go to investigate a little bit more. This is a real trustworthy source. And so it's great to be putting this out there to know at least of one place that they know that they're getting the most up-to-date information, compassionate information, and also that you always do say, this is what you're so good about saying is, you know, this is what we know now. This is, you know, the research where we've come so far. This is what happens. And you always mention it's individual, you know, you don't do it in a dogmatic prescriptive way.
1: Absolutely. And it's a place where people can gather some information and then, and then be able to take that next step forward for them.
0: Yeah, I love it. Thank you. So the other question is, so that sounds like you've given us the story about going through the stages of grief, getting to functional medicine at Canyon Ranch and now working at the office with Dr. Hyman and other physicians and nutritionists and all of that. And so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today, what's going on right now for a lot of us is that life has shifted in a lot of unexpected ways. And for some people that I've talked to, these unexpected shifts for some people, it's almost the first time in their life something really hasn't gone as planned. So I think for you talking about your breast cancer diagnosis would be a time in your life where things were not going as planned. I've had experiences with that, like that, with a couple of healing journeys for myself. But I do know for some people, this level of uncertainty has knocked a lot of people off their usual path. And I think mostly almost everyone is feeling it in some way. I was talking to you earlier today about how I actually had to have a Zoom set up in my house. You know, some, I see people creating studios in their closets so that they can yeah. record things when their kids aren't around. So Um, I guess what I want to ask you is, we're going at the time of the recording of this podcast, we're heading into autumn, we're in autumn, we're heading into winter, darker, you know, the days are darker longer. Um, So seasonally, the foods are different, there's certain foods that are more in season to be eating. And I guess I'm just wondering, as we're looking into this new season, what kinds of ideas do you have or motivations might you be able to offer for us to try to support our health as best we can going into the next seasons?
1: yeah you know, I think that you're right. it's it is a it is a hard time for a lot of people, this transition around the fall. And um you know, in the past, one of the ways that I sort of I, we live in the northeast, right? so it it can be a pretty, you know, the winter can get pretty cold. And one of the ways that I've always sort of dealt with it in the past is, um I've come up with a a, a vacation for February. So in my head, I'd be like, Okay. We're going away in February. We're going somewhere warm. We'll go like, you know, south, whether it's Florida or Caribbean or something warm and sandy and, and just planning it has in the past 15 years been something that's really helped me in during this, this autumn into winter time but as many of you guys are in the same situation, I'm not doing that this year. Um, and so my husband and I were talking about that the other day, how difficult that is, you know, where it's, where, you know, it's you're going into these darker times, which can be naturally more, you know, bring more sadness for some. And, and we're not planning for a great vacation. Cause we're not sure if we're going to be wanting to get on a plane at that point. I'm just not, not sure yet. And so one of the things, you know, we've been talking about is how we need to embrace this weather coming up. And, um, you know, back in the spring, I remember I was watching this piece on, you know, one of the morning shows about a, a preschool in Seattle. And they were, they decided to open, it was like in the spring, and their, their mantra was, there's, there's no bad weather, there's just bad clothing, and so they were an outdoor preschool that opened up in the spring and um in the rainy cold spring in Seattle and they just decided to be outside and you know, because it was safer with COVID-19, that it was safer they were gonna be outside, and that that they were gonna be outside no matter what. They weren't they weren't, you know, they were gonna have an outdoor classroom. And to remember that there's there's no bad weather, there's just bad clothing. And so you know, um, I've been thinking a lot about that and how important it is for us to pull on the boots and the mittens and the gloves and the hat, depending on where you live and what you need, and to really embrace this this time outside and to continue to go hiking and to continue to go for walks and to continue to go running if you run and to continue, maybe to start to ski again, or to ski, um, whether it's cross country or downhill or snow, snowshoe, and just to really enjoy the outdoors, like so many of us have been doing this past summer. But to bring that into this fall winter time as well, and to not let that go. um, I think that's, you know, I know for other years, whenever I uh, spend more time outside and go for jogs outside or whatever, it doesn't feel as cold to me, like the winter doesn't feel as cold. It's like, okay, this is so this is, you know, I think that the more time we spend outside, the easier to be and it's just healthy and good for us, you know, as long as we've got the right clothes on, right?
0: I appreciate hearing that. And to be honest, I appreciate the reminders of different ways to get outside. Because where I live in the Berkshires, the people, a lot of people I know have gone snowshoeing before, and I have never done it. So now you're inspiring me that maybe this will be the year to pick up the old snowshoe and try something new.
1: Yeah. it's fun. It's really fun actually to snowshoe. It's um, as long as we get enough snow, but if we don't have enough snow, then we can just hike. Right. So um, either way, it'll be, it'll be great. And just to, just to remind ourselves to, to continue those self-care exercises as we're going into this time, I think to, 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 be okay with the fact that sometimes it's difficult to go into the winter and it's colder and you want to just curl up and sometimes you feel more sad and and to be okay with those feelings right and then say okay what do i need to do for self-care and so you know you want to continue to be making the right food choices and continuing to get your sleep and then continuing to reach out to others whether it's virtually or you know at a safe distance or whatever you're you're doing and um, continue the great meditation work that you're leading us all in, um, and then to and then to get outside and do our movement and exercise outside. We don't have to always go outside. We can do some exercise inside too. But you know, it's just a great thing to to incorporate into our daily routine and exercises some outside time.
0: I really appreciate hearing that because I grew up in a family where we did go skiing in the winter. We were outside, and to be honest with you. I really loved it because of the culture around it. Like I loved that we were getting ready to go and I loved the packing up and I love these crazy long skis that we put in our station wagon. And like, I loved the whole situation. I even joined ski club, but to be honest with you, I hated skiing because I didn't under, it wasn't fun for me because I'm not much of a adventurous person. So I would, I would ski black diamonds, which for those who don't know, they're all the hardest hills. And I would be miserable. Like I felt like it was a survival skill. Like I didn't understand why I was doing this. I thought I was just, cause especially in the Northeast where I skied, they were short hills and they were just ice. So I was skiing yeah. on ice all the time and just praying for my life. So for me, what's interesting is once I, and then I joined ski club, cause I just thought it'd be fun. Like I said, the fun of it all. And then when I hit an age where it finally occurred to me, I don't have to ski anymore. Not that I would never do it again, but I was just really excited to make the choice not to ski and to find other ways to be outside. And I love the snow so much. And if we don't get snow, like you said, it's still totally fine. And there are ways to get outside that we can go out without having to put on snowshoes or other boots. But I'm bringing all this up to say that even if they're like you don't think you like to be outside because it could be icy or dangerous or whatever, these ski shops and other places they have great shoes or great things you can put on your shoes to walk on ice or so I guess what this is bringing up for me is if somebody's listening to this and has resistance to going outside in the winter what I do is I try to say not just that I don't want to go outside but okay specifically what am I resisting and then is there a solution to that so if I'm scared that I'm going to slip on the ice like obviously you don't have to go out on the iciest day. Like you said, you don't have to go out every day, but you know, what are things I can do to minimize that resistance? If I'm afraid I'm going to be cold, there's a lot of great long underwear out there or, <laughs> you know, or like, and make sure that you come home to a nice cup of hot tea or something. So I just love what you're saying. Cause I feel like you've given us some options of ways to really start to embrace the outdoors. Yeah. 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 How important and, it is.
1: And, and so I've been thinking a lot about that lately, you know, and reminding myself that, you know, it's, 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 it's okay that it's getting colder and we've got to, we've got to enjoy that and love the, that for those of us that are in the middle of changing seasons. Um, we want to, we want to embrace the positives of it and um, and get out there and see the beauty. So,
0: And that reminds me of just to circle back what you said earlier, when you were talking about changing your mindset about different things, like you were saying, part of your healing was was that there was a lot of stress and like learning about different ways to deal with stress. And for me, one of the best things that I find for my stress when I can do it is to reframe. So it's like just looking at something in a different way, reframing the situation. So I think if we start now before it gets super duper cold, really reframing our perspective around going into winter. How can it be fun? How can it be cozy or outside? You know, maybe some people can buy. I don't know if people can, if this is hazardous, but like like those warming lamps for outside on their porch that I see in in restaurants. You can't do that all winter but you know for part of the winter what are some creative ways so i appreciate you bringing that into the conversation because i just know from working with you how important taking care of ourselves is and not just not just the food we eat but also getting outside and connecting with people yeah so that's really cool well thank you so in conclusion before we sort of wrap up i'm just wondering are there other things that you want us to be aware of where people can get information from you, like ways they can reach you? Is, is Instagram a good way, your website? What are some ways that people can really find out more about you?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm on Instagram, I'm Elizabeth Boham, MD. I'm actually, that's where I am on Facebook too, and on Twitter, at Dr. Boham. And I have a website, drboham.com, so D R dot b o h a m and that's where people can, um, you know, download a free ebook. What we, what I did from the DVD that we put together is I put some of the my top tips in terms of creating a terrain in your body where cancer is less likely to grow, I put that in a, in a free ebook, so you can download it from my website. Um, but you can also purchase the DVD there or watch it on Vimeo. And the great thing about the full DVD is, you know, there's a lot more information, but then you also get all of the amazing part of the program that Heidi put together, which is the, the uh, yoga and meditation that you can do again and again. So um, I, I love that.
0: And so Dr. Dr. I think that's me. That's where you can reach me. That sounds great. Yeah. And you know, the reality is when you learn more about Dr. Boham by going on her website or listening to these podcasts, a lot of what she just mentioned now, a lot of this really is also preventative. So if you get the ebook about making a terrain where cancer is less likely to grow, there are things that we can learn about preventing things and same with these podcasts that she's on. So thank you so much for being here today. And I really look forward to our further collaborations and where we can connect with others again, like you said, in the future.
1: Me too. Well, thanks for having me, Heidi. Thank you.